hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. Hey, if you want to find out more about us and what we do for our day jobs, go to xmlfg.com. Once again, it's xmlfg.com. I'll tell you, we got a lot of good stuff going on here. I mentioned it before, but I want to congratulate Brett Bernstein. Brett made it onto Forbes' list of best in-state advisors for Maryland. Now, this isn't a list that you pay to get on. You earn your way on it. So I think it's quite an achievement. I also mentioned about a month ago, we have a new partner at the firm, Michelle Cooper. And Michelle joins us with over 25 years of experience in estate planning, finance, and taxes. She's a lawyer. She's an MBA. She has all kinds of letters after her name. So you know she's really smart. And she's heading up our XMLW division, which focuses on planning and financial needs of women at all stages of their lives. Really a welcomed addition here to what we're doing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have Michelle on the show either next week or the week after. If you see her, don't tell her because I haven't told her yet, but we're going to drag her on the show and get some good advice from her. And if you want, you can come out and meet us because we're having a social event. That's right. We're throwing a party on April 17th. If you're a client or if you've signed up for our mailing list, well, you've already received the invite. So all you have to do is RSVP to it. We're going to send out another one this year or sorry, this week. It's going to be in Rockville, Rockville, Maryland. And we're having Rudy Maxa come out and talk to us. Rudy has the travel TV show on PBS, Rudy Maxa's World. And I tell you, it should be a great evening. If you want to come out, make sure you reach out to us, sign up for the newsletter. And as a matter of fact, there's a, a place on our website that you can sign up and let us know that you want to come. You don't have to be a client. It's open for everyone. Like I said, we're just having a big party. Again, a lot of good stuff happening around here. Today, we're going to spend some time on what I think it takes to be a successful investor. Now, I like to do this two or three times a year because I think it's very helpful to a lot of folks out there and it embraces my core philosophy. But before we do that, Let's talk about the markets for a couple of minutes. Last Thursday was the end of the first quarter. And as I sit here today, the S&P is down just a bit over 2% for the year. And the Dow is down almost 3%. The NASDAQ is up almost 1%. But the initial slide started back in late January on concerns that interest rates were going higher. We had a little bit of an, of an inflation scare, and that's all been replaced by fears over tariffs and trade wars. Now, let's not forget there's a scandal over at Facebook and a developing story with Amazon. Apparently, Donald Trump doesn't like Amazon, and that hasn't helped the S&P much either. I mentioned this because people forget that the S&P 500 
has about a 25% weighting in technology stocks. Some people are surprised by that. But if you look at the top five components of the index, Apple is the largest, followed by Microsoft, then Amazon, and we throw in a little Berkshire Hathaway just to mix it up, and then it's Facebook. Out of the top five components, four are tech stocks, and those four tech stocks make up more than 11% of the index weighting. And I would argue three of those four, they aren't so cheap. I've been saying we're probably in a consolidation phase here, you know, by the dip type of thing, but we need to see more positive upside momentum volume. We've had one day of it, but I need to see at least one more, if not two, to feel better about the direction we're headed. I think this year is going to be driven by earnings and not by multiple expansion. You know, what people are willing to pay for a dollar of earnings. That was last year. On the earnings front, according to FactSet, first quarter earnings are expected to increase 17.3%. That's right, 17.3%, which if it happens, would be the best quarter since the first quarter of 2011. Best quarter in seven years. Analysts are falling all over themselves, raising their numbers. And you know what? That makes sense because there was a change in the tax laws. To give you some perspective, at the beginning of the year, estimates were for an increase of 11.4%. And now, as I said, that's up to 17.3%. When I think about this, my, con- my concern becomes since expectations are so high now, if a company misses the raised estimates, then they could get hit pretty hard, especially if they're trading at high multiples already. I think it's going to be very important to be very selective here. Now, with that said, I'm also of the opinion you could see the market at new highs by the end of the year on the back of strong earnings. If you need a few ideas, a few new investment ideas, well, refer back to the last few podcasts where I go through a few of them. Let's move on. Let's talk about being a successful investor and what it takes. I would suggest you build a portfolio, one stock, one bond at a time. I'm never going to buy something just because I have cash sitting around. I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to be rushed. And I'm only going to make prudent investments in great companies when I think that they're selling at attractive prices. If you keep listening to the podcast weekly, I'll direct you to some of those ideas that you can take away and do your own research on because you always want to do your own research. You just don't buy something because you heard me talk about it here, or maybe you saw something on TV. It may not be appropriate for you. If you're managing your own portfolio, only you can determine that. Let's talk about some of the basic rules for successful investing. What I'm trying to do here is to give you the benefit of my years of managing money and letting you know what I've learned over those years. Hopefully, this benefits you. So, number one, rule number one for successful investing is to spend time to come up with a serious retirement plan. Truly commit 
to an asset allocation. When I say asset allocation, I'm talking about stocks, bonds, and cash. This is something that we're committed to. If you're going to build a house, the first thing you do is to get a set of blueprints. If you decide that you're going to challenge yourself by running a marathon, well, then you develop a training schedule. When you invest, you need to have an idea of what kinds of returns you need to achieve and then build a portfolio around that. The goal can't just be to have more money or to make more money. If you don't need to take a great deal of risk, then you shouldn't. Give you an analogy here. If the Redskins are winning 40 to nothing at halftime, which isn't often, I know, but if they're winning 40 to nothing at halftime, then chances are they aren't going to come out in the second half and start throwing the Hail Mary on every play. They don't need to. No, they're going to play a little more defensively. Most of our listeners don't need to achieve 8 or 10% type of returns in order to achieve their goals. I imagine that trying to average 8% is probably going to be very tough to do over the next five years because of the current valuations. So if you can call down the amount of risk that you're taking, well, then that probably makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But you really aren't going to know how much risk you need to assume until you've actually done the planning. I've said for years that outperforming the market does you absolutely no good. Think about that. We've been conditioned to think that our only goal should be is beating some random index. During the financial crisis, when the market was down over 60%, Did anyone feel good about outperforming and only being down 50%? No, of course they didn't. The goal should be meeting or exceeding the plan that you have in place because you know that's what's going to get you to where you want to be. That's what I believe is going to pay off for you over the long haul. Rule number two, and I'm not going to beat on it on this one today, but I will in future shows. I want you to be value-oriented. There's no doubt in my mind that you want to have at least 90% of your equity portfolio in value-oriented securities. Sure, have 10% in that quote-unquote growth style, but 90% or the bulk of your portfolio should be in value-oriented securities. Listen, It's time for us to step away and take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our rules of successful investing. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in a moment. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. 
Well, thank you and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join me today. We are going through our rules for successful investing. Rule number three, you need to be patient. It seems to me that investors who are content to grow their wealth over time generally make out better. I call this the Aunt Betty method. We all have an Aunt Betty, or at least we know someone like Aunt Betty. You know, years ago, she bought 100 shares of a high-quality company, and she put it away. She let it grow, and now it's worth a gazillion dollars. There has never been a successful investor that I know of who didn't possess an unusual amount of patience. You shouldn't be trying to buy for a quick profit. Your objective should be to own a portfolio of compounding machines for the long term. This this reminds me of a commercial that was on a few years ago. It was the one where the fellow who's at an auction stands up and he turns out to be the highest bidder on something. And immediately after he won, He turns around and tries to sell it and make a quick profit. Own great companies. It doesn't do you a lot of good to find a great company if you turn around and flip it next week for a couple of point gain. Albert Einstein said, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't understand it yourself, which takes me to rule number four. Rule number four is one of the most important you have to understand your limitations. Next to being value-oriented, value if you're building or managing a portfolio on your own, this is a biggie. This is the biggie. Understand your limitations. Know what you're good at and keep doing it. Stay away from what you're not good at and hate doing and not comfortable doing. Knowing what you can and can't do will keep you from making big mistakes. I'll tell you, getting outside your area of competency isn't such a great idea. Really knowing what you own and doing the research is going to give you the conviction you need to stay with it or buy more when the market is telling you you're wrong. Without that type of conviction, you'll probably end up doing what the market wants you to do, getting out at the wrong time, buying high, selling low. So be honest with yourself. Warren Buffett has said this about the drug stocks. He's not a doctor or a scientist, so he doesn't understand and he doesn't pretend to understand the drug group. If you don't understand the science and, and you feel like you have to own a drug company, well, then buy the best. Actually, buy a couple of the best. That, I think, is a reasonable approach, and it's what we do. Ask yourself, do you really understand how to analyze stocks and bonds? And if the answer is no, then I would suggest that you don't do it. Or if you want to have a little play account, a little gambling account, then have a little play account and learn from that. And then hire someone to manage the bulk of your portfolio, the serious retirement money. Number five, don't be active. Don't be a trader. Many novice investors, well, they trade stocks back and forth. They're taking small profits here. They're taking small profits there or losses here and losses there. But any real experienced investors know the futility of this. Trading in and out of stocks could be very expensive, not only in commissions, but think of the taxes. 
most importantly, are the missed opportunities. You end up finding this great company and then you flip out of it after a couple of a point after a couple of point gain. There are just not that many great companies or great investments out there. Number six, buy inexpensively. Again, be value oriented. I want you to be just as cheap in buying your stocks as you would be in buying a new car. There's nothing wrong with being cheap when it comes to the markets. Trust me. You want a comparison shop. Compare oil stocks to other oil stocks. Drug companies to drug companies. If the industry looks inexpensive to you, buy the most inexpensive fine company in that industry. So shop in that industry. I always say you want to buy a dollar for 50 cents. And of course, sell the dollar when people are willing to pay you a dollar 54 for it. The market does give you those opportunities. Number seven, don't get caught up in the short-term price movements. Up 10 points, that's a lot of fun. Down 10 points, well, that's not so, so much fun. You don't want to get yourself all discombobulated. Long-term real wealth is created by latching on to great businesses run by good, honest managers who act like owners, who might or who make the right asset allocation decisions, who grow their dividends, who grow the value of the business over a long period of time. Number eight, don't overreach for yield. Yield. In my 20-year career, some of the biggest screw-ups I've seen have come from when people were reaching for yield and buying what they didn't really understand. They saw a stock in the Wall Street Journal or heard something on TV that's yielding maybe eight or 9%. Then maybe they pulled out a report and that was really the extent of their research. It sounded okay to them and they bought it. Abnormally high yields could very well be a warning of an impending dividend cut. It's far better to buy where there's a distinct prospect of dividend increases than something that currently carries a much higher yield. With the prospect of dividend increases, you're likely to gain in two ways, higher income over time and also capital appreciation. Number nine, I want you to review your portfolio, especially paying attention to the poor performers. Don't hesitate to sell the losers. Most inexperienced investors have a tendency to sell the winners and keep the losers, thus giving them a portfolio of junk. Pay special attention to the ones that aren't performing well. And I'll give you last, uh, one last one. Remember what Warren Buffett said. Rule number one in investing is don't lose money. Rule number two is don't forget rule number one. Let me say this. Focus on four big picture items when you're looking at buying stocks. Number one is the balance sheet. That's the first thing I always look at. Number two is the balance sheet. No, that's not a mistake. After the balance sheet, number three, you ask yourselves, uh, ask yourself, are they generating free cash flow? And then number four, valuation. What price am I willing to pay for this great business? So the balance sheet, the balance sheet, again, not a mistake, free cash flow and valuations. I hope that's useful to you. We've run out of time. We'll be back next Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them.
Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.